And welcome back to L.A. in the A.M. with Jay Oliver. I'm Tom Shalero sitting in for the great Jay Oliver. Jay will be back tomorrow. L.A. News time is 8.05 a.m. And we have uh, one of the great guests here on L.A. News Radio, uh, Lisa Navarro. Lisa is the owner and founder of Child Behavior Consulting, uh, one of Long Island's leading citizens in the field of education, uh, starting a lot of innovative projects and so on, just doing so much out there, uh, hosting a uh, program an event back on November, I think it was 29th. I may be off by that just uh, yep. by about 10 yep. or a few days or so. And uh, big success over there at the Brookhaven Town Hall. Many people going to listen to Lisa and some other uh, individual superintendents, assistant superintendents of, of various school districts, just uh, having a lot to say. Lisa Navarro, how are you? I'm doing very well, Tom. How are you? I'm doing well. I mean, you know, I'm doing this morning show for a couple of days, and I'll tell you, I am a little tired, but uh, excited about having <laughs> you on. We just had Roger Stone on. Coming up, by the way, folks, at the 835 hour will be uh, U.S. Representative Andrew Garbarino, also doing some great things, and uh, we've got some great people here uh, coming on our program again, once again, in the bar. Lisa, you know, people are talking about education. We just had Roger Stone on. He was talking about education uh, relative to political campaigns and so on, but you're, you're a nuts and bolts person. You're dealing dealing with uh, how to make schooling better, how, how to make teaching better. You're now branching out a little bit into the state of Florida, uh, be meeting with some folks down there on some of the programs that you've been doing. Uh, you currently work with the Brentwood School District in addition to Child Behavior Consulting. You know, what's essentially as we, we go away from what happened in November at that event that you put together, again, widely successful under the auspices of uh, New York State Assemblyman Doug Smith, who's the ranking member of the Assembly uh, Education Committee. Uh, just so much out there. It's almost like uh, education is like a metamorphosis. It keeps changing and changing and changing. So now that we're in a new year, uh, what's new in the new year when it comes to education? Lisa Navarro. You know, Tom, um, I have to say that this time of year, I mean, look at we're all almost into February right now. It's pretty incredible. The year is just about halfway over, depending if your child is in um Elementary school or secondary, we might have about four months left of school. So it's a really good time to see how your child is doing, making sure that you're really on top of the press and the, the areas of need and the areas of strength. Because a lot of times when uh, we think our, our kids are doing really well or maybe they struggled in the beginning of the school year, we, we haven't really kept up with... Uh, how, how are they doing now? So I wanted, to, I wanted to provide just a couple of tips to be able to support parents and, uh, and, and their kids and, and caregivers and their grandkids because, as you know, so many grandparents have such an active role right now within their children's lives, you know. I think that's that's an important statement to make is that, um, and as you just said, how how does a parent um, monitor a child in terms of uh, the schooling and the educational level and so on? You know, many, many parents come to me and say, hey, you know, we're both working, husband and wife, they're working, mom and dad are working, uh, the kids, many of them are latchkey type kids, if that phrase is even still used. Uh, in this time and place. Uh, so what, I mean, if you have to advise, how do you then get involved in the child's life in a time when we are so busy, at a time when inflationary times are so much there that uh, they're barely making the Friday paycheck uh, meet the uh, the budget demands of a family? How do you then uh, monitor the progress of a child? 
there's certainly a lot of dynamics that influence even progress and communication in a time that we have to do both. But uh, a couple of suggestions is check in with your child's teacher. There's so many demands on the educational side, and there's so many demands on the parent side. So make sure as a parent that you are keeping in touch with uh, your child's teacher, making sure that, uh, you know, they're, they're letting you know how they're doing. Um, even if they have homework, just seeing how they're doing with their homework. And, and I really want to highlight this as something that's very, very important. And a lot of times that uh, students are assigned homework on the computer. There's lots of, you know, computer programs now, reading, math, and so on. Make sure that your child is focused while on these programs. Now, it might look like they are because they're looking at it. They're, you know, they're, they're seemingly calm, but it simply doesn't mean that they are engaged. So I'd like to give you an example. So I'm working with some students now, and in the beginning of the school year, they are assessed in um, where they are academically, which is great. So it's, instead of saying, okay, this is where you need to be, we're, we're finding out where they are and then working on those skills so they can progress. However, if that child is not focused while taking what's called the plastic, then moving forward, all those lessons are way too easy for the student. Do you know what I mean? But see, when one considers, uh, I think the, uh, the the teaching level and so on, or the uh, the learning level uh, of children, you know, one of the uh, 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 the events or the the program that you put together back in November, I think, uh, drawn out a lot of diversity of opinion on what's the best way to impart knowledge or the de- the, def- the definite type of programs that are out there. Uh, when you were doing that, you had you, you had started off the pro. You were the monitor there. You were the moderator uh, that got all of that going. Parents came concerned uh, about teaching and teaching methods and about what what makes learning more important. You know, when you did that uh, opening. Uh, with the, uh, the the use of the uh, audiovisual, uh, which I think is extremely extremely effective, you know the the overall impact on that and the feedback that you got because I know you received feedback from many people uh, higher up in the educational field. I did, yes, and you know it really comes down to understanding the programs that we have, how to best utilize them, and if they're really not effective walking away from them and finding out really what the children need. So when it comes to these these computer programs, if you're a parent at home and your child's on that computer, make sure that they're focused. Sometimes they need a focus tool. They need a visual because right now they're saying, finally with some awareness from the children, they're saying, this is too easy for me. Can I work on this? I want to get out of, you know, three plus two because I'm working on division now. So you see how the programs are good, but if the child's not focused, it's really not an indicator of whether or not they are um, learning as much as they can be learning. And you're right, Tom. There were a lot of parents who were concerned about their, their children's education. So what I would suggest is making sure that the supports are home at home for the academic learning, whether it be having a tutor or going to the library, they have left the program, the why even. And also each school has a PTA, 
or a SEPTA, which is a special education PTA, so they can join one or both of these programs. And then collectively, they will have a voice to voice their concerns, to say, oh, I like this, this is working, or I would like to see this happen in the future. So these are really solid ways in getting involved in your school system, as well as then in the community, because then you get to meet other parents who might have the same concerns um, or even appreciations as yourself. You know, I can remember uh, one of the first things I did out of getting out of college, I was able to get a, a job teaching in the secondary schools. But I, I had remember that even even on the secondary level, and it started really on the elementary level, on the early years, uh, areas that where your expertise exists, there was the tracking. They would track students and saying, well, you belong in this learning academic level and that, that academic level and so on. And it certainly it, it, it put a stigma upon the child, even on the younger ages. There, there was a stigma attached to, to all of that but i'm seeing things that you're doing and the programs that you're doing that you're going to be bringing out of out of the area now to other states that uh i think brings us into as i always point out the third decade of the 21st century uh that we need to go past that thinking of tracking students but putting them more uh into a uh, a higher level of of analysis and a higher level of uh what what the needs are and also what the learning abilities are uh i i know you have developed programs you're out there talking to a lot of uh, educational experts, so-called experts on this, uh, to try to make them see that there is other ways in which to classify students. Could you, I don't. I, I guess it's a, it's a tough question to answer, but just give us an overview of that because I think it puts us where we need to be in this time, in this place, and and this 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 year that we're in right now. Yeah, you, you know, we are really, really trying to close that achievement gap. And there's so many within so many children. And the gap is so relative. I mean, there's different sizes of this gap, right? So what we need to do is teach so many children how to learn, and we need to educate the educators on how to instruct them in that. And so that means that we need to use those cognitive skills in how to think positively, how to know when you're not focused, and to refocus because so many children have not been able to develop those areas in their brain as much as they normally would have, given the interrupted learning, the self-esteem, self-concept, challenges of so many during that learning time. So it's a really tough time of year when we want to assess students and say, you know, they're struggling, but they're struggling even more than the average child. And with that, now we have to say, okay, so now what's the best placement academically? Let's have a conversation with the parents. If there's any service providers, let's work collaboratively with them to find out. And uh, it's really trying to establish, is there a true learning disability of some kind, or is it the lack of development in being able to focus that's holding that child back academically. And this right there is that sweet spot that we need to really be mindful of, and that's where the parents can come in to really work collaboratively and communicate the things that they're seeing at home academically, behaviorally, and socially for their child as having a voice in what's the best place for my child for next year. I want to close that achievement gap. Again, uh, studying your program, seeing seeing it put into action, or hearing about it, and so on. Uh, 
there's always resources. There's always something that has to be backed up on that. How, how do we go up against that? Uh, you have some great ideas. You have some great programs. They are being instituted. But the reluctance sometimes to put the resources in it. May, be, may it be other personnel or may it be just written materials or may it just be something that, that's going to go along with it, even, even classroom space. I'm thinking more towards uh, resources, other individuals, other professionals like yourself to get involved in this thing. Are school districts reluctant to do that simply because of the, 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 the one word, which is uh, budget and funds and so on? Do you see that? as a hindrance uh, to doing something. What I think is innovative, and I think what you're bringing to other states, I know I mentioned that a few times, but what you're bringing to other states and what, what you are bringing to the Long Island school districts and other other concerns is having the resources necessary to do what many people have a fog when it comes to trying to understand it, uh, but it, it has to become more of a clarity with, with resources that, that, that do get involved. I, I, I like the way that you said that, with fog and clarity. It kind of is like that. People don't know what they don't know, right? So the magic of these programs is just getting a foot in the door and just watching the children learn from Henry even. Henry's that main character. I come in. He's a four-foot Henry. I bring him in, and we have our programs. And uh, let me give you a quick example. So a quick example is I did a push-in program uh, one week, and then I followed up with a different one next the following week. Okay, so there was a boy in it was a second grade class, and he has ADHD. And in Henry's first book, Henry Learns to Launch, he's a hot mess, getting in trouble all the time at home and school, doesn't feel understood, and he's really not until he meets his new teacher, Ms. Ravelli, and she teaches these specific strategies in how to learn. So now he's beginning to learn to control himself. All right. I get there for the second book and this one boy comes up to me and I, I quit. It was, it was so awesome. He goes, this was an inspiration. I'm like, what was an inspiration? And he shows me his very own magnifying glass that he colored drew out to help him focus, which is indicative of the one that I showed them for a focus tool that Henry used. And how it aligns with my next book, you know how I start out my next program, is, boys and girls, have you ever heard of an inspiration? And we go into what an inspiration is. So now you can only imagine that his learning tool, with his permission, is now part of my, my, one of my programs. So it's not, it's when you don't know what you don't know. Just giving that opportunity, having a program into your into your school that that has shown its effectiveness, just giving them that opportunity and watch the magic happen. Oh, uh, again, it, I, I'm, I'm almost uh, visualizing that and picturing it and how, how important that is. Now, I, I know... Um you know, sometimes we stray from the area. Something had happened in the Newport News. They reopened an elementary school over there after a six-year-old uh, came to school with a nine-millimeter handgun that he took from his mom's closet, and, and he shot a, a teacher after uh, many, many people were warning that this kid was troubled and that this kid was threatening other students and that there was even some uh, question and that some were saying that he does, in fact, have a gun. I'm not asking you about that incident, but I'm asking you about the incident to what happens now. Uh, they just opened the school yesterday and uh, the uh, kids uh, were coming to school after receiving therapy after the couple of weeks or three weeks since the January 6th shooting. Um, 
I, I know this is out of the field a little bit, but I think people are concerned about that. What kind of impact that, that does that have on the learning process? And this was an elementary school, and this was a six-year-old uh, who cannot be prosecuted under the laws because they're way too young. But at the same time, uh, the other students in the school, and how do they perceive that, and what can be done for them? Well, it, it takes paramount and priority because now we have children, you know, I'm sure who, who are afraid to go to school and then a whole bunch of what ifs. And then, you know, we've got educators already who are overwhelmed with everything and, and, and you know, looking for support for their own challenges. And now they go into work not feeling safe either with their little babies who are six years old, you know, carrying weapons. So this is a very, very big problem. Um, so it, it, again, it can contribute to that learning gap that it already exists. So that's another area that needs to be addressed so we can get down to what we need to do, which is educate children. Yeah, and I think that's that's a, an important part. Uh, sad to say that these incidences are happening uh, across the country, and and we're seeing more and more people having to suffer as a result of this. Uh, in the meantime, where where can people get involved in terms of learning more about you, your programs, uh, websites, Facebook pages, uh, any uh, any other uh, forums or or media outlets that people can learn more about child behavior consulting? Oh, thanks, Tom. You know, all the information is out there. It's childbehaviorconsulting.com. You can find me on social, Lisa Navara, EDU. Just give me a call. Tell me what your needs are, and let's get the job done, and let's help change uh, that, that achievement gap and turn it around. So that's 631-617-1958. If you follow me on social, you're going to learn something every day. Appreciate it, taking the time out. I know you're on your way to your educational facility uh, to do your job, but taking the time out to talk to us this morning. Very much appreciate it. Once again, Lisa Navarro. Lisa, thank you very much. Have a great day.